0: man yo up, Dallas, Dallas? how you doing man how you been in this covid hey, time i've been good man that's been
1: focused that's the good thing about it i just been at the crib focused uh you know i relaunch rowdy um and it's a trip man because it lets you know how much stuff you really didn't need to be doing you know i've got a lot of stuff done over this time i've been safe um my mom's safe everybody's been good i've been on lockdown no bro i've been flowing since january I haven't done nothing. I've I've been eaten inside of a
0: restaurant. <laughs> you haven't? Nah, man. You just been home. And you know I had your mother's cooking. I had yep. your family's cooking on a Sunday. That's a serious thing going on out there in Atlanta every Sunday. That's yep. the soul food for real. Gotta look out for moms, man. You
1: know, so yeah, I've been I've been good, bro. I just been focused.
0: You know, Dallas, uh I asked you on here. I know you don't really do a lot of interviews and nothing like that. But Buster was up here and he was just, he gave me the illest interview, you know, on a big show. And then he was bigging you up on another level to where he was like telling me shit I never heard. And I'm just like, it's <laughs> <is> crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, and, uh, Artist you worked with, Madonna, you did that song right there. They don't really care about us. Yeah. Voice to Men, TLC. uh man, yeah. like yo, Dallas, man. You like you had your hand in which, so when you when you at what age did you get into the music business? I know you was in the music family, but at what age did you get like, you know, did you I produce was, to somebody big or I was like 17, I did Troop first, um, with
1: the I Will, Always, I Will Always Love You song. I think I was 18 when I did that, like 17 maybe, maybe even younger, actually, because um, by the time I got to doing another Black creation, um, before that I did um, a song called Hey Mr. DJ with Joyce, uh, Finnebel, Irby, and Dougie Fresh. And that was my first, like, number two record. I was still in high school then. And Wait, how does Hey Mr. D- hey, um, Mr. Hey,
0: DJ, Hey DJ, would you play, that
1: one? Uh, it's another one, and Dougie Fresh is doing it. Uh, he, he, he's rapping in it, and um, he's doing the beatbox at the beginning of it, and he says, Yo, Dallas. And that's the first I was like, I fell out when I heard that, because, you know, especially that's then. That's your first shout-out. Uh, that was my first shout-out. Um, How
0: does a guy, like, you know, from Atlanta, Georgia, get connected with the whole industry? You know, because the music industry is basically based out of New York yeah. or L.A. How do you get... How do you get to the people in New York and L.A., young producer? It was, it was really Joyce Irby,
1: the same lady. She was in Climax, you know what I'm saying? And uh, the group that did Men All Cause and uh, Meeting yeah. in the Ladies Room. And she came to Atlanta and basically kind of connected us to Gerald Busby, who was in L.A., you know? So before, like, all of us was kind of like this little, I was, I was working lights for bands of, like, 13 and, you know, playing keyboards and bands and stuff like that, 13, 14 around here and writing songs. And um, so when they got hold of me, it's like this kid writes, this kid, this kid plays, you know. Um, and so I started working up under her. Then when I went to do Boys the Men, um, all the to Men and other creation, that's when we kind of had a falling out. She didn't want me to do the whole project because I was technically signing to her. So I ended up calling and going, "Yo, I'm going to do the whole Boys to Men album instead of, instead of just two songs. It was going to be Motown Philly and um And, um, and then she's like, "I'm screwing <laughs> everybody." And from that point, it just became a like this the situation that I was this kid trapped in this in these contracts. But then people were letting me work. So by the time I got to uh um, we did Boys the Man, Another Bad Creation, TLC, and my mom was like Yo bro,
0: you made that uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh yeah. How did and that you, come about? That song is one of my the guys,
1: man. Boys the Man a genius, man. They were like they were like Take Six, you know, we were all in the Take Six back then. They, um, they were so amazing with the way they were singing and the harmonies and stuff that by the time I did that one song, I wanted to convince them to let me do the whole record. So I went back to my hotel, listened to some Babyface records and shit. Then I was like, I can do ballads. So I came back to the studio. I was like, let me do the ballads with you. So we started working on uh, uh, Please Don't Go, Lonely Heart. And before you know Lonely that... Lonely
0: Hard, Please Don't Go. Oh, yeah. that, that is one of my favorite <laughs> albums <laughs> ever made, bro. Uh, Michael Bivins. Michael, I, I always thought Michael Bivins. Uh, I know he discovered them. I always thought he was their producer as well. And then no, when I looked was, at the, yeah, he was like he he
1: had Biv Ten and what he did. He came to Atlanta. Ke- Kevin Wells really discovered the kids, um, and put them all together. And um, so Michael came down. He was in Atlanta. Messed with Kevin, and then they, they signed the kids and they were making them a little new addition. So I was like, well, let's make them a little BBD instead, you know. So I went and wrote Aisha. And that was my first big, big record. Aisha was.
0: Are you saying another Bad Creation? I'm talking about Boys to Men. I thought Michael Bibbins discovered Boys to Men.
1: Well, it's part of. It started with Another Bad Creation and Boys to Men at the same time. So Boys to Men is singing the background is not Another Bad Creation shit, and the, the the kids took off before Boys to Men. So Another Bad Creation was a phenomenon. They took off, and then Boys to Men came out. They were opening for the kids at one point. Um, because these kids were such a phenomenon. Yeah, I remember that? <laughs> yeah.
0: So Bivins, Girl, you I yeah, Michael Bibb. Remember because Biv
1: had Biv was the first one doing this, man. He had Bib ten, and by the time we did those projects, and you know he was having everybody mental, and BBD was in, and so it just all started to take off, and 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 all just started to go together at the same time.
0: You know, uh, I just I I say to myself, I look at your catalog, and I'm just like. You know I've, I've always known you're a musical genius, one of the greats, but uh working with Michael like what what was that like you know you could actually tell somebody you worked on they don't really care about
1: us the biggest thing was is I worked on this song this time around that uh, that we did with Biggie, right? and so I'm sitting with Michael,
0: and he's like, uh, you know I, I, want, I really want somebody oh, look, what's that like sitting with Michael when you when, when Dallas austin From from Georgia goes (laughs) to sit down with fucking Michael
1: Jackson, the King. the 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 very first time I sat around him because I was working at his studio and I left and came back to Atlanta because I wasn't really working with him. So I was like, I was working with the engineers. So he called me, called my house, and like, Dallas, come back to come back, come on to the work with me. So when I walked in the room and saw him the first time, he was in there with Jimmy Jam, and I was just like, whoa, Jimmy Jam and Michael Jackson in the same room. I'm just, I just locked up. And most of the time when he, would, when he would talk with us and stuff, first, you, you, you find yourself like, you don't even want to look at him because you know what I'm saying? You're like, that's Michael Jackson. It's like the energy of the room period is just throbbing in the room with, with his presence. And um, and so it was hilarious. So he goes, Dallas, you know, working on the song this time around, and um, I really want a rapper on this that's, that's, that's hard, that's, that's good, you know? So I said, well, maybe Tretch, because, you know, maybe you don't want somebody so hard. He goes, well, um, so, maybe a little bit hard. I said, well, what about um, Biggie? He goes, yeah, Biggie, notorious B.I.G., I like him. So I called Puff and I was like, yo, um, I'm working on the with Michael Jackson. Can, can Biggie come out? Right? So Big comes out and he has to be like 19 or something, man. So he, uh, me and him sitting in the car outside playing the track, smoking, and he's just writing the track, writing the rap, saying, he's saying to himself, yo, I can't believe I'm sitting in the car with you writing a song for Michael Jackson, this shit is crazy. So we sit in the parking lot and I'm listening to the rhyme as he's kind of rhyming in. So he it to me and I'm like, oh, well damn, that might be a little hard. He's got, you know, listen, they got taps on the phone, motherfuckers killing me niggas. I'm gonna kill a nigga, I ain't joking. Endo Smoke got me talking. <laughs> you know, he's going in. And so uh, I said, well, look, let's go play it for him and see what he says. We go in there and <laughs> I thought Michael was gonna be like, well, maybe back off a little bit. He was like, that's amazing. That's exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> And the leg was full of curse and they're full of like, I'ma kill a killer, nigga. I ain't joking.
0: <laughs> like, and you know they probably like the two greatest artists of all time ever in music. You know, like if you think about Biggie in, 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 as an MC as an artist, and you thinking about MJ the King, like it gets no bigger than that. It was crazy. It was like that's, that's and at that point,
1: you know, Biggie was you know coming in between the first and second records. so it was like it was still.
0: You know, to him, he was still blowing his mind, you know, to be... You know, we, we, well. we, we back up because so many people... So you was around before the Dungeon family and the ATL? You. Were, yeah. You was the first. All, all, all of us
1: used to go to the skating ring together, right? So I met... T, it's me, T-Boz, Rico Wade, Pat, the whole Dungeon family, all at the, the skating ring. I was making records back then and coming to the skating ring and you known as the kid that made these records. And I was skating. That's how I made the whole movie ATL. So it's all about that mm-hmm. same skating ring. And um, and so they gave organized noise because I was. So you,
0: you made that movie
1: ATL? Yeah, yeah, that's about me. With the skating and all, that. that's about you. Yeah, that, that one in drumline.
0: <laughs> two yeah, for two, man. Dallas, this ain't normal <laughs> shit. We talking about Michael Jackson, Biggie, drumline, and ATL was made after you and. But, God, continue with the Dungeon Family because. Yeah, so, so
1: they, you know, they, they, I, was, I was skating in there and I was playing my record sometimes in the skating ring, you know. Well, they end up giving the Dungeon Family a room inside the skating ring to set up as their first studio. So they had an MPC 60 and all that just set up in this, in this little room at the studio, and that's where they first started, started to become the Dungeon Family before they got to be Dungeon Family. So I started really before everybody as far as getting a record out, as far as. You know, being the one that started to make traction around here in a new way. Uh, Jermaine was right behind me. And I met Jermaine at the same time when was 17, 18 years old. Skating okay, too? Well, he was at different skating rinks, but I met him just from being in the in – the, I, I met him because he was, he was doing silk-town leather. Jermaine wanted to be Herbie Lovebug back like then, right? He used to have a little <laughs> white you – know, remember Herbie he used to a little white jumpsuit? Herbie Lovebug, uh, yeah. And he had uh, he has, he has salt and pepper, Jermaine has silk times leather. Um, so, yeah, so you go –
0: so Buster Rounds tells me, uh, what well, really, Puff Daddy, I was at his house last night, and I was having dinner with him. And uh, and me and Khaled went over there, and I told him I was going to interview you today. And he said, you know, when I got fired, <laughs> Dallas Austin, he, he brought me down to the ATL, and he plugged me in with Clive Davis. So, yeah, and, he, and he so you were the guy, you were the guy who plugged him with Clive Davis, so that Bad Boy can even exist.
1: Yeah, it was crazy because I had, you know, I had, I didn't even want a label when he came to me for Rowdy, right? I was like, at that point, I was slam dancing and going out to fucking great, you know, I was in the alternative rock and all that shit. So when Clive gave me the label, I kept saying, nah, you know. So when I did take it, it was it was labeled between me and LA, you know what I'm saying? And they wanted to put it in New York. And so I was like, all right, so I had my stuff going. The offices on 23rd Street, I had staff, 20, 23 staff members, Karen Beesey, everybody, Vanessa. And at the time, Puff was still working over at um, Uptown. And when they, So when they fired him, he called me. He was, he was basically in tears. He was so hurt that he because he was at, to him, that's exactly where he wanted to be, is at the top of the Uptown game, you know what I'm saying? And when they fired him, he was just destroyed. And I said, yo, man, you have to start your own stuff. And um, so we looked over with Clyde. I ended up giving him my my rally offices. He turned those into the bad boy offices, and I went back to Atlanta. Because I wanted to come back to Atlanta I wanted to be in New York. So I gave him Yo, but offices. Dallas, who
0: does that? Do you know nobody does that? But you know, unfortunately, uh, with Black people and Spanish people, when somebody got the plug, they always, they won't never let you know who the plug is or introduce you.
1: you Man, know, that you was, know, that was amazing that you
0: plugged them in
1: you know what happened to me right is i was, I was like I, I was 16 in those bad contracts right and i had all those records out and my mom was working at dishes in barbecue so i had like 15 like, like at least like 10 million records sold my mom worked at a barbecue joint because the money is held up right between me and the production company outside too. so at that time clarence avon um you know who's, who's friends with gerald and who's legendary we all know clarence avon he called us said, dallas i'm gonna get you out of this you know, this is right. Y'all should be don't be doing this to each other. We can't be doing this to black people. I'm gonna get you out of this. So I was like 16, 16, 17. So when he got me out of it, um, I went to him and tried. To, <laughs> I tried to give him a, a Rolex, right? He goes, the Clarence? Yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to give him something for giving me out of his finding my money. Got you, to get up, you know? And this is what he told me. He said, let me tell you something, little nigga. You ain't got no money. You can't be buying me no Rolex. He said what you do is you make sure that you don't let anybody else do this you don't do this to anybody else and you do what i'm doing for everybody else from this point forward so in the latter they call me dad because i'll go around i'll, I'll go through people's contracts i'll tell them what's wrong what's right because i walked through the fires already um and i've always been that way because i got taught that from him and the way i felt the relief of when he got me out of those, those contracts I was like, I can't let nobody feel that way. So if it's any way to solve anything, it help somebody, I'm going to do that. So that came from Clarence, man, and, and, and Quincy.
0: And I, I hate that, man. I hate, you know, I was telling the brother Isaac Wright was on here earlier. He got a whole TV show. You know, he got wrongfully uh, convicted and became a lawyer. And now he represents, now, nah, nah, it's incredible. He got back 172 years. and But I was telling him that, you know, there's no better attorney to hire than somebody like him who been through that. And I, and a lot of times people say, if you are artist, you shouldn't sign the artists. But I feel like if your heart is pure and you already went through the fuckery, the robberies in the industry, you would look out for these artists.
1: Yeah, man.
0: You know, and, and I hate to see when people take advantage of other artists and, and, and stuff like that. So you plug... Puff in and Rowdy Records' offices turned into Bad Boy Records. Even when, let's go back, because before we get off the Puff thing, um, you know, I flew in for uh, Miss Kim Porter's funeral. Mm-hmm. And uh, and everybody went up there, kept uh, speaking about your relationship with her, you growing yeah. up with her. Could you tell me a little something about you growing up with her and y'all, y'all and, wasn't in Atlanta, y'all was in the little town. <laughs> yeah, bro. We were like, and what's so crazy about this story, like
1: my mom and Kim's mom was friends, so they were pregnant at the same time. And so when we, I, I mean, I've never known a world without her. I was in kindergarten with her all the way up through high school. And we were best friends, and we never dated anything until like, like maybe when, uh, you know, because what happened is we got obsessed with Uptown, both of us did. We're in Columbus, Georgia, being obsessed with Uptown. I wanted to sign uptown so bad we would listen to Albie Shore Records, we would listen to Heavy, we would listen to Teddy Riley all day. And I was just like, man, I, we gotta get out of here. I left Columbus and went to Atlanta. She left Columbus and went to New York. And it's so crazy how all of us ended up, because I was trying to sign an Uptown back then too. And so all of us, when I first met Puff, he was, you know, putting stickers on records and, and Uptown was in Brooklyn. And so it's all been in this crazy little Little, little circle, but I've known her all my life. We, and matter of fact, in Drumline, um, Nick Cannon plays my part and Zoe Saldana uh, basically plays Kim's part. Because we we're in the Wow, marching
0: band. I didn't know that. Yeah. So in Drumline, Nick Cannon plays you and Zoe Saldana, yeah. she plays Kim's part. Yeah, basically. Man, you know, exactly. they never based off of the character, yeah. You know, I would see her all the time and show her love out of respect. You know, Puffy's uh, baby's mom's. But when I went to the funeral, I learned a lot about her. And I, I just couldn't believe she was just like an angel, bro.
1: Bro, and then what's crazy is my mom and her mom. Like, so my mom, um, we had a soul food restaurant called Mom Bill's Diner. And then her, her grandma and her mom had one called The Royal Cafe, and they're right around the street from each other downtown. Like this. <laughs> um, both of them soul food restaurants, right? And my family used to, this area is a segregated area, so all the blacks and all the military had to hang out down there. And my family had the party clubs where, where James Brown and Tina Turner could perform. They had to stay upstairs because of segregation. But all of us, so we, we would go to the suburbs where me and Kim would go to school at, you know, with the white kids. But every day we have to go downtown because my mom's soul food restaurant, her mom's soul food restaurant, was <laughs> around the street from each other, like walking distance like
0: that. So we always just. You know, and what's you know, crazy you know, so is, so, so that's. So that's when they say the Chitlin circuit, when they say yes. artists had to go do the Chitlin circuit, they talking about that? They are talking about that because the artists used to have to stay upstairs in that
1: same neighborhood. So it was like prostitution, pimps, uh, you know, politicians and anything black and fly was going on down in this park. My dad controlled that part, that area. Um, and it was just you know Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> it was just it was full on, you know. We had to get out of <laughs> here. Yeah, we, yeah. we gotta get out of here. <laughs>
0: So you get, you get uh, rest in peace, you get with TLC. You do that whole first album, huh? Yeah. And we had just you know, come off of another
1: bad creation. And, um, and it's funny because uh, when we went boys and men, and I was sitting there with, with L.A. one day, um, and he's like, you got this girls' group. And I already know t from the skateway. t Boss hanging out with me and Jermaine from the same state. Wow, this is a funny, another funny story. t Boss is a new dude in ATL. Of t boss what? In, in ATL, the movie, right? The character Nunu is based off of t boss
0: Wow.
1: Right, T.I. is based wow. off of the movie, and, and, <laughs> and that So these were really based
0: on people?
1: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We changed it up because we didn't have a romantic relationship, but she was a homie and she lived in another part of town. And she didn't want her mom to know that she was going to the skate ring. You know, so she would change up all the time and go to the skate ring, and then, you know, come back. And so all of us, I'd known her from the skate ring before, so when they brought TLC to the table, I was like, OK, y'all want to be a group too, you know? Um, and so from day one, we just clicked. I figured it out. Um, I was like, we got to make them the female version of BBD and ABC. And I just write them songs that sound like the guys or the girls, you know? So when I first did Hat to the Back and Ain't Too Proud to Bag, What About Your Friends? I did all I Ain't awesome Too guys.
0: Proud to Bag nah. Yeah. We had to put oh, that video out
1: first uh, what because song was... had so much noise in it. I had, like, so many samples in the songs. That, like, because I was a big fan of the of Bomb Squad. You know, I was like a fanatic of the Bomb Squad, but Hank Shopping, everybody. So I wanted all my stuff to sound like Bomb Squad mixed with pop songs. So I would take all the noise, like the P.E.R.A.R.A.R.S.S. and stuff in there. Yeah, man. And so it
0: would play a lot of TLC
1: stuff at first because of all the noise in it.
0: You know, um, TLC uh, left eye. Um, yeah. You got any funny stories with Left
1: Eye? Oh my God. You don't know, work with her, any,
0: any, any, anything we might have never heard? I
1: funny plenty She's funny because she's such, she was such an artistic person um, that um, she was really just trying to speak up for the group all the time, but we just go like, into some superpowers all. So by the time we got the fan mail, I don't know, by the time we got to, it was the fan mail tour, they started off with, uh, I think it was Christina Aguilera and Destiny's Child. So on the first tour, the very first day of the tour, <laughs> the girls are getting ready, and Lisa has a has a boyfriend at the time. This, this dude Lorenzo is a little weird, weird, and so she comes in and tells them, um, "You know what? I ain't going on." And they're like, "Tell so the girls like, what do you mean I'm not going on?" She's like, "That's it, I'm not going on." They think we going you know, we gonna be out here and get pimped out and get. Down. <laughs> she started the whole piece of stuff, so I see the other girls get so mad that T T ready to punch the wall. Chili's hurt. So then we, we all in the room together, and they're just mad, upset. Like, how are we going to come off like this? She promised it wasn't going to be this way, right? So I said, all right. So what I did was I wrote a note, right? And I said, you know what? Go to fuck the fuck ahead. Do whatever you want to do. We don't need you anyway, la la, 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 Right? And put it in her room. She comes back in the room with the note because she, she thought it's from the girls. The way I put it is like it was the girls that wrote it. Right. So we don't need you anyway. we gonna go the show's going on without you, Because I, I saw them being like, you know, hurt, mad, crying. cry. She came running, <laughs> she came running in the room with the note. Right. Yo, this ain't what I was saying. I ain't say that. I was trying to stand up for us and they don't even know what she's talking about. They're so mad that they still don't understand. She's like, I'm not saying I didn't want to go on stage. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the show. I'm gonna do the show. They were so mad, they just let her go out the room, but not knowing that I wrote the note from them. (laughs)
0: Dallas, you crazy. That's a joker moment. You wrote the letter. You wrote the note acting like you the girls, and she fell for the bait and came in and was like, yo, I'm standing up. You know, a lot of times, uh, artists get bad raps, but the truth, they be standing up for the group. Last week, I had Busy Bone from Bone Thugs, here, and I ain't gonna lie, those are my brothers, and I always thought he was a little bugged out, the diss, and after interviewing him, it hit me, and I said, holy shit, this is the smart one, like, you know, he was just trying to look out for his guys, he was trying to make sure his guys had their masters, or had the right money to have, you know, you know, we old enough, so maybe we've been in the business long enough to we know, so while I'm interviewing him, uh. I noticed that Busy Bones is a smart guy. So I'm sitting there like, yeah, holy is. shit, He's I ain't no. You know, so like Left Eye was saying, yo, I was just standing up for us.
1: Yeah, she was always, the thing is, she's always looking out for them. And she was, and they loved her so much that when she did do something like, uh, you know, go back and say, hey, I'm not in the group after doing the interview, whatever, they would just be hurt more so. You know what I'm saying? Because it was all kind of things that went on like that all the time. But it was really her trying to stand up like, like, the story, when she really went into the, uh, then when she really got those girls to go up to Clive Davis's office, um, and they went to, uh, and they went and took all the plaques. She got these girls from Techwood, right, the project. And they drove to New York City and went up in Clive's office and uh, to- actually, he was in a meeting with Puff, and took the phone from his she hung it up. This ghetto-ass girl from Techwood, nobody even know, you know, shouldn't be up in there anyway. Hung up the phone, TLC got something to say. So they're like, "Yo, where's our money at?" They don't even know what they are. They, they, their, their ignorance, right, was their bliss. Where's our money at? LA said, "You got the money," and no, you ain't going nowhere. They call it security, everything. While they're in the office doing that, the other girls are taking all the plaques off the wall, off the Aries walls, taking them down, putting them in the car. <laughs> <laughs> so they I, thought it was
0: real gold and real
1: platinum. They thought whatever. They thought it was all real. They asked them where the money at. Like, "This one, getting them the cash right now," like. You know, they were just, were just Lisa would get in their head that, that everybody was trying to screw over the group because of how they started, you know, um, because of all the stuff with Pebbles and, and the, you know, everybody, when, the, when you start out in the music business, especially back then, videos were like $7 million. Like, I think No Scrubs was like, I mean, and Unpretty and like the videos, even even the Enterprise, the bag videos were like, you know, over half a million dollars or more back then because line was expensive or, you know, Hype was expensive or,
0: so, when you, when you do that, and the math is just such so a was, math, this, so, so there was an actual video that costed $7 million?
1: Yeah, like the screen video was that much, and then those scrubs was like close to like $5 million or something like that.
0: That's the budget so of the movie.
1: Multi- you know, if you, had like, if you look at, I think the screen video for Michael Jackson is $7 million. If you look at it now,
0: you'd be like, that was $7 million. But yeah, because, like, you know, everybody was making too much money off the chop. You know, Nori got this story. Uh, shout out my brother, Nori. He was shooting the video in the desert, in, uh, in, in the desert by Vegas, outside of Vegas, in between Vegas and L.A. Hype Williams was shooting this shit, like some million-dollar shit. He said a fucking helicopter came out of nowhere and landed, and it was Mr. Child from, from L.A., <laughs> the of the desert. Like, <laughs> motherfuckers was really wildin' back in them days, huh? They were spending
1: the money, that money the, the, the money was so different because, look at it like this. We wasn't thinking, are we gonna sell 70,000 this week? We, we were like, are we gonna sell a million? Are we gonna sell 500,000 are we gonna sell 2 million the first week? So, our numbers were so different and you're selling, you're selling CDs for $20 a piece, right? So the numbers were way, way different. The money flow was way different. Everything was way different. The labels were making so much money. It was ridiculous. So we were making so much money, it was ridiculous, because the money was different. You know, it was no streaming. It was like you had to buy the CD. Yeah, you had like, to buy
0: the CD. It was different. Uh, so I'm thinking of the, the, boy, the boy is mine, right? Yeah. Monica Brandy. Yeah. What was that like? Because there was rumors in the streets Monica, Brandy don't get along. Uh, what was like? What was that like? Like that's such a monument. It's so many records you've done, but that's such a a, a moment. That, it's, yeah, show, it's, it's, it's just a shift in the paradigm. It's like it is. It, 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 that that's the, bigger than even a record? What was, it was that like? It was, it was really the trip because Rodney was working with the child
1: of Rodney Jerkins. Um, because Rodney was working with, you know, doing Brandy, obviously. I was doing Monica. <laughs> and Clyde called us at the same time. Hey, we got to figure out this, this concept or whatever. Do you want to do the girl's mind over? Um, but at the same time, because they're young, you know, they were young back then. And and, and Monica was a totally different...
0: Who's scene. the boy? Yo, Dallas, is, there, is, there, is, is was there a specific boy? The boy is mine? Was no, there a guy the record was it, dedicated
1: it, it, to? It wasn't even a boy. It was just the fact that they really were two different types of people. You know, like Monica was like, you know, she's called me dad um, from, from the time she was little. She was like, Dad, I'm not big no dude if he got no, no he, he ain't got gold teeth and he ain't got bump in his car and rims and all that. She was like straight up that girl. Monica was, I mean, she's straight up that girl. So she, she's not fake at all and she's never been that way. And so a lot of times, you know, when she would go to L.A. or she would have to go do stuff. Like, she didn't like anything. People in Atlanta are very Atlanta. So they don't really like to get shy, you know, kind of way. And so it just took off, like, their relationship took off like that just from them being uh, two different personalities, basically, and them being the same age. Monica had – Brandy had, uh, you know, I want to be down. Monica had, get down. <laughs> so the attitude was just different. You know, Monica's just like, she's – I, I, I was like, she's like deep from what's happening. When I first met her, cause she she was so so fast, <laughs> Um and so it just elevated to where it made that sense. Everybody knew they had a different kind of standoff and persona. Everybody knew they had their little vibe where they where they, you know, had shade with each other. But what like, you saying,
0: Dallas? What you saying to yourself, watching the verses the other day with Monica and Brandy? What you, you watching it? What you saying to yourself? <laughs>
1: honestly, I was saying, see, they get to see a little bit of shade they see themselves. They see how even and everybody noticed that um, that's the trip, is that when you put them side by side, as nice as they are and everything else to each other, and then being as courteous as they are to each other, there's still some way that the shade come in, you know, and it's still some way that you be like, okay, now. Nah. And so people used to see Monica's reaction to the shade, but I, I just think that that's Brandy's natural personality. It's a natural Thing, but I thought a lot of people comments I got back
0: with. did we just see Shade? Was that was that one <laughs> so Yeah I just think I just think Brandy uh I don't know. This ain't a guarantee. But I just think Brandy had her shit really going. She grew up in LA, Hollywood. She had her acting shit going. So she did music, but she didn't solely depend on music. And for some reason they paired them up almost like they're a group. So yeah. like it, it your monica's like yo I don't even know this girl. Brandy's like I don't know this girl, but mm-hmm. every time you mentioned one, they brought the other, like it was like a a group. And I'm assuming that, you know, a lot of probably money opportunities and financial opportunities could have came about with both of them, you know, going on tour and shit like that. The mm-hmm. boy is mine tour, but Brandy was almost like, you know, I'm straight, I don't really want to go on tour. And, you know, if I was Monica, I'd feel away. I
1: mean, it was at the biggest moment. Um, That's, you know, because without that, but you know what? The funny part about it is what would come along with that is the real tension um, of having that be a real situation. You know what I'm saying? That makes it where it's really like people backstage got to deal with each other. This got to deal with each other. And it's already hard enough when everybody like each other on tour to, to make sure everything goes smooth. So imagine when you're on tour with somebody you really don't fuck with for real.
0: Oh just yeah, yeah. Of the I'm, I've seen it. I've seen, <laughs> it, seen it with that. artists. Right I won't say who, but I seen groups stay in one. Groups. <laughs> These are like legendary groups that we all love and worship. So they go do the show to 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 get their money. But one guy stays in one side of the stadium. The other guy stays in the other. They don't talk. They don't stay in the same hotels. They go on the stage. They rock for the fans, and then they out. Yep.
1: And then, hopefully, nobody in the other crew don't say nothing to somebody else in the other crew because it's usually not even the people, um, you know, the artists that's the problem, it's the crews that's the problem, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's guys or girls
0: or dancers or <laughs> whoever it is, you know what I'm saying? You know, that's crazy. Uh, Clive Davis, how did you become tight with Clive Davis?
1: Started with L.A. Reed. When L.A. came to Atlanta, Clive was smart because what he did was he created Arista at a point that was a satellite system, right? And I think he wrote a thesis about this uh, in, in, in Harvard, where he said, you empower one producer in the community and they'll bring you the rest of them. And then you get music out of the community. And so when, when we had all our labels set up there, he didn't have any really any artists that asked except for Whitney and Kenny. Everything else was satellite out, you know. Um, and I met him because LA, when he started with Face, he was here, I was doing TLC, I did Boys II Men, all that stuff. And he was like, we, I, I want to meet this kid. And he came to Atlanta, and met with me, and he goes, Dallas, you know, uh, you, you should have your own, your own music company. You should have your own label. Your music is genius. You're this, that, and the other. And I was like, man, I don't really want a record company. I'm too young. I was like, I, I don't really, I was like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to do that, bro. And he was like, oh, you don't think I'm cool. I signed Sly Stone. I signed this person. I think, I see, you don't think I'm cool. I was like, it's not that, man. I just don't really want a record company right now. I'm too young. I just, I'm just getting some money. I want to go slam dance, I want to listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, I was just on some other stuff. So then, he, he went back to L.A. and said, yo, how could you get him to do a label? So L.A. came to me and went, yo, look, you're hanging around these skateboard kids, you've you got this whole crew of people, why don't you just do a label based off of, you know, your whole creativity, do whatever you want on it. I said, okay, well, I can do that. He said, yeah, it'll be a little division of the face, so you didn't even got to worry about nothing. I said, okay. So we came up with the name Rowdy, and... I started going from there, and then the first thing was hilarious because it was one office in the Face Records that was Rowdy, right? And then all of a sudden it turned into exactly what I didn't want, which was we got to move to New York, and we gotta, you're going to have a whole staff. So I'm like, what? Yeah, so I go to New York on 23rd Street, right, full on the staff, right? I was so Atlanta and so so scared of New York at that time because I hadn't really left from down here, you know, 20, 20 21, so I, I get out my, get out my limo, I go upstairs every day, I go back to my office, Rocky Buchanan was in there, Kim Smith, Karen Beasy, And I go in there, I shut the door, open the window, smoke some weed, listen to some music, and just sit in there the rest of the day until people leave the office, right? So, because I didn't know what to do. So one day, Kim Smith comes in and she goes, yo, can I talk to you for a second? She said, yeah, she said, uh, do you like everybody here? And I said, <laughs> so? She said, well, you might want to have a staff
0: meeting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people. If I walk you around. You want to meet your staff? You
0: like, yo, man. They gave so, me a check. They forced me to move yeah, up. Man. I don't yeah, really want to man. do
1: this shit. Um, but I had a dope staff. I had alternative department where, where we, you know, signed uh, rock stuff. And I had all this. I was like, damn, this is my label. This is cool. All right, cool. You know. Um, but what happened was, LA. Well, so LA, LA Reid and I was partners in Rowdy, right? When it first started. That's how I was in New York and all that. I thought it was me in LaFace, but it was really me in LA. So when he signed because the deal was that Roddy was going to be the street stuff and the face was going to be. You had, you had
0: already known who Outcast was, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. Because I'm, I'm here. I was already doing rap. Dungeon training, family,
0: I, skating, all yeah,
1: that. Because I already know the guys. And, and so L.A. said to me um, that he, when he signed Outcast, he goes, oh, I didn't think you liked him. I was like, yo, my man, you got me with this label in New York signing The King and I and doing deals with the Buster and all this stuff we're doing, and you're going to sign a rap group from Atlanta to LaFace? Nah, bro, I got to get out of here. That's, That's the biggest like. group. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, you know, at, at the time, LaFace wasn't a rap, you know, for rap music, it was like Tony and stuff like that, TLC and Damian Dane, but he just wanted to get something that would catch. And it started out with Players Ball being a Christmas song. And when it caught, he told me to take the sleigh bells out. And we took the sleigh bell because the people started reacting to how dope it was. We took the sleigh bells out, turned into a regular song. So then there you go, Outcasts is on there. I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing rowdy no more. I want to go home. So Clive was like, no, no, Dallas, what are you saying? I said, look, dude, I don't want to do this no more. I'm in New York flying back and forth. I just want to be in Atlanta. He goes, you know what? No, no, no. Take it with you. Don't worry. We'll wipe it. We just want you here with us. We'll wipe I had debt. For being years up in New York, <laughs> limousines—you know—it's different by then. <laughs> you know we're gonna be that outside, yeah, outside. The motherfucking
0: limo was outside all day. Yeah, bro. The, <laughs> the weed guy was coming around the all clock day. all day. So, yo, my man was... Big Pun had a limo in front of his house <laughs> twenty-four hours a day. Drivers would change shit, and I it was, was me just me. on the record label. It was like, everything was on the record label.
1: I swear to God, I used to do it all day in New York, just stay outside, the car just sit outside all night. Um, but yeah, man, and, and so he just said, take it to Atlanta. Don't, if you want to go home, take the label with you. We'll start it over. So I'm like, all right, well, damn, so I get to Atlanta. And I'm like, well, now I got the same setup. Got the whole floor downtown. Um, and I said, well, I got I to gotta find something now, because I told him I wanted an alternative label. But I got to find something now that I know I can, I can kick off. So that's when I said, well, let me look for some artists. That's why I found Monica. I said, well, this ain't really rowdy per se because, you know, we're supposed to be going in on, on another direction, but um, because I can put over this LL Cool record, I can make her like this little Mary from the South, this little like, then it will all kind of click, you know. Um, so, came down, popped her off, started getting Monica rolling, but don't take it personal, um, which took me nine months to get out because Cloud <laughs> wanted me to put a bridge in the song. And I'm like, dude, she's 13, man, singing just one of them days. Nigga, <laughs> <laughs> well, why is it them days? Why do you say them? It's not proper English. That's one of those days. No, no, man. They don't say that in that loud, man. One of them days, bro. <laughs> like, so because he, he looked at Monica like a Whitney. Like, he, he talked Yeah, that, I never
0: made that connection. I, I, I know that Whitney loved Monica. And now that you're explaining this, I'm realizing the connection. Clyde Davis... Dallas and Monica, Whitney. That's how that whole thing came about.
1: Yeah, because he looked at, when, when Monica was saying the greatest love of all every time. Like when she went out, <laughs> first met her, she was 12 maybe, and she was saying the greatest love of all. Her auntie would be like, okay, sing. And she goes, saying the greatest love of all. So everywhere she went, she was saying the greatest love of all, right? And so they looked at her as that kind of artist. So when, when we started to, to work on our album and get it done, Clive was like, she has to be Monica Arnold, like Whitney Houston. Like, you no, know, she has to be Monica. She's 14, 13, bro. Like, she's not Monica Arnold yet. She can be that when she grow up. But because Monica's voice was so powerful and her attitude was so wrong, you know, and, and Clyde, lo- he loves a woman that he can put songs on and sing. And, like, if you work with him with a project, he's like, I can, I can make some, get, bring some songs, too. So he brought the uh, Before You Walk Out of My Life and, you know, For You I Will. And he, he loved working on it. And that's what his- ah. thought- helped that's what it actually you helped are, me. Well,
0: before you uh, walk out of my life, those are big songs.
1: Yeah. You know, Clive loved, he he loved, like, it's nothing better to him than a song that gets cut,
0: and then he's sitting there listening to the singer sing it, and he just loves it. So also the help. Yeah, out he, he real, loves to be a part of something. He don't just want to do it. He wants to sprinkle his sauce on there somehow. Oh, man. We were doing the uh, we were doing the Street Symphony, and Monica was dating C. Murder
1: at the time. And <laughs> she was so... Like into C, she loves C murder, um, and so Clive was like, uh, she's like, well, I gotta put like, C gotta rap on the song, Dad. So I'm like, all right, well, cool. So Clive, oh wait, hold on, no Dallas, you can't have a person. Now imagine back then when she's when she's <laughs> right after you know she's still 14, 15, you can't have a person named Murder on the record with her, Dallas. No, no, we can't do that. That sends the wrong signals. You can't do, you know. And 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 what's crazy is. Being that hard wasn't even in back then like that, so it was really ed- considered really, you know, edgy to him to have somebody named Murder and have somebody that's really, you know, because music hadn't really turned into all of that really yet. It was on the verge of that when Master P and was pushing it. You know what I'm saying? So it might have been like ahead of time. Yeah, it was ahead of his time. It was like, so, but like every time anything with Monica, we would be chasing it down. Like Monica wouldn't got a tattoo. She's 14. She wouldn't got a tattoo on her arm, right? I'm like, oh my God, this dude is gonna is gonna freak out. So we start putting that armband on her arm everywhere. So people started thinking she was wearing that armband as a as like a, a, a style. <laughs> we had to cover that tattoo. You a 14 year to be your girl, a little black girl with tattoos, and people
0: freak out, especially from the south, you know what I'm saying. Hey y'all, let me tell you something. Um just just Madonna. How did Madonna come about?
1: Man, it was Funny, I was I just finished uh doing Creep and everybody creep just took off. Creep was just crazy when it when it really connected, it just took off like you know, like crazy.
0: No, that's a real fucking like, you know, I listened to Creep the other day, not nothing to do with this interview. And then it was like Creep,
1: yeah,
0: just keep it on. That, that sounds almost nobody it, else man. To <laughs> No, I'm not. Yo, these girls was like, they talk about cheating on a man's, like, creep was something. It, it, I used it to almost, sing along, but I never really listened to the lyrics. The other yeah, day I listened yeah. to the lyrics, I was like, man, they was awesome shit.
1: I wrote that song about, like, you know, as a friend of mine, that was dating her, and I was like, if we ever, like, break up, then, you know, I, I knew I was hurting her. And I knew I wasn't right. And then she started dating somebody, and she was like, yo, what up? What you expect me to do? You know what I'm saying? So when, when I first did the song, though, I would sing it to, I had my MPC-60 up, right? Every day I would go in this room, play the music, and just sing the song to myself. Like, when you write by yourself, sometimes you're like, you just, you just, I don't know, no, I don't know. I thought it sounded too country, so I would never record it. I would just, right, I would just walk around singing it all the time. So, I creep, yeah, just keep fed on the download, you know. And so I'm like, man, this song is aggravating me. So I called my, the killings and said, can you just come record this song for me so I can just get it out of my head? You know, so I had to record the whole song. And then when I heard it back, I was like, oh, man. Oh, OK. Because I was really in the Prince and um, Radiohead and making one word mean more than one thing. And then we would be like, yo, we on a late night creep, man. we want to see such and such people with Shorty, you know. And t boss is all about if I, if I write songs for her from a guy's perception, that becomes a whole thing. She's a tough guy, girl guy. She wouldn't sing no soft stuff. She's like, I'm not singing no soft lyrics. That ain't going to be me. So Chili would sing those. But t Boss had that character, you know? Um, and so I finally recorded the record. Uh, and the last thing I did, bro, and, and so I didn't even save. It. it was up for a week, right? So if a storm hit, it would've just, the track would've just left. And the last thing I did was um, I put that horn in there because I, didn't, I couldn't find a cymbal crash. And I was really into Pete Rock back then. You know, Pete Rock used to
0: always mm. have <laughs>
1: So I put that horn in and I ain't really paying no attention. And Clive Davis heard it one day, and he was like, you're going to get a Grammy for this record. And I was like, what? He's like, and that, that horn sample, that's going to get you a Grammy. I said, like, well, I want a Like that, He said, the Miles Davis horn sound is going to get you a Grammy. And I was like, oh, okay. And now it's funny because even if, you, even if that record is on really low somewhere and come on in a restaurant, that's what you hear first. That's the signature of the record. And I was like, "Oh man, that that and that's the first thing, Klaver." That wasn't even like something I looked at.
0: Well, I've always had luck with horns. You know, my first song FloJo was horns. Yeah. My lifestyle, like I'm, I'm I, I yeah. always thought. You know how people always got their favorite stone or what their zodiac sign is. Yeah. When it came to music, raw shit. I've always said the horns is Fat Joe's. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, sure. I love the horn. So you did creep. How did you meet, meet Madonna? Creepy. Okay, so then. Okay, so
1: then that record was out, and then I got a call from uh Freddie Demand one day. Her manager said, um, uh, that no, she kept calling my studio. <laughs> she kept calling Garth Studios, and my security guard at the front would just be like yeah right and hang the phone up, right. So then he finally called me back and said, man, somebody said say Madonna calling on the phone for you, here. and I was like, hmm, Madonna calling me. He was like, uh, I picked up the phone twice and hung up, but they keep calling back. So I picked the phone up, and I was like, hello. so like, Dallas? I'm like, oh, shit, really? He says, yeah, it's Madonna. I was like, oh. Now, at this point, I ain't even, like, I had dreadlocks down here. I ain't really left Atlanta. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, like, real southern, you know. You're like, a country guy. You're well, you, a country. You're yeah.
0: Columbus, Georgia. Yeah, I'm well, like, You know, you graduated <laughs> to Atlanta. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> So,
1: um, I'm headed to Atlanta, right, to meet me first. And when he comes to meet me, I have my dreadlocks down in here. I got on blue jeans and some damn Birkenstocks and a T-shirt. And just like, you know, I'm always just like, the, he goes, man, oh, man. He looked at my studio, you know, darkies, have all the graffiti and stuff, in it. And he's like, oh, man, she's going to love this. She's going to love you when she meets you, man. I didn't know you was this cool, because I was you know, really more reserved back then. So then she flies into Atlanta, and we have a meeting at the studio. And then from that point, she's like, I want you to do this record. And I want to come here and work on it. And I said, "Shit, all right. But she said, but first, you know, um, let's let's meet, you know, some more. So I fly to New York, end up meeting with her to, uh, at her place in New York. Then I feel like I was on tour. Then um, I went to, uh, she, she has this castle in L.A., right? This shit creepy. She had this castle in L.A. It's perfect for Halloween right now. Yo,
0: yo, Dallas, the scumbag in me wanted to say when you said, yo, what I so i met him in new york i was like oh so that's where he smashed first oh. <laughs> the scum the sleeves bagging me you, the inner Boy, <laughs> you, know,
1: you know what you know what's funny though is that's i was so scared like i was intim- i ain't gonna lie i'll tell this story i was so intimidated because what the hell am i doing me and my man dave gates right we we go up to, to new york we go to our house, we have dinner, we drink wine, all this stuff. And I'm still just like, I'm still country from <laughs> Atlanta trying to get acclimated. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still like, I, my energy is weird. And a lot of times by then, I would just not say anything. And that's what would make it like even more like attractive, I guess, to them to try to like, hey, what you know, I'm just like, so I would just like lock up and freeze up. It was just be like, I would punk out, you know what I'm saying? And so I got used to being around her. Um, at first, like, like anything else, man, you just meet Madonna for the first time, you really want to work on a project, you're overwhelmed by like, just like it being Madonna in the first place. Your brain is on overload in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then, we, then she came to Atlanta. We started working and we started making records and, and hanging out and going out and, and just kind of, she came straight to ATL style with the hair back and just like, almost want my shit bump in the Jeeps and all this stuff. Um, so we did a lot of records here. And then she um and then we had this, she went and, and did Secret, right? The song we did, My Baby's Got a Secret. She went and went on to put the song out, and we kind of had a little falling out at the time, you know. Cause she went and mixed the records with Nellie Hooper. Um I did all these songs with her. And Nellie Hooper's a dope, you know, we we do stuff together like my brother. But um, you know, imagine somebody taking your whole works and going to mix it with somebody else. So I was a little, a little mad. Um but then it hit me one day that, um, you know what, this is her project. So as long as she happy with it, then I should be happy with it. She hired me, you know what I'm saying, to work for her. So I should be like, oh, whatever you happy with, you know, we good. you know. So it wasn't anymore. no
0: Smashing Madonna? Do, 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 are we getting a Joker moment uh, answer? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, that's the way We've been we on cliffhanger like, for like 10 minutes.
1: Yes I, or no? I, 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 I I wouldn't say smashing. I say we was hanging out. You know what I'm saying? Smashing <laughs> wasn't a word back then. You had an entanglement. <laughs> <laughs> smashing <laughs> wasn't a word back then. <laughs> it was called hanging out, bro. <laughs> no, but I I really you know we had a we had a fun relationship. I, it was just I was so to tell you the truth, man, I was so intimidated
0: by her the whole time. Yeah, because I know she's aggressive. This girl, like <laughs> oh, you know, from watching, I hear from. from... If she, she wanted something, she go get it. Like oh, this, this is what I've been hearing back in the day. She she flips, man.
1: But she this this, this crazy because when uh, I was about to say the Halloween story, right? So she had, she goes, um, wait, before we meet in Miami, I had to go to LA. She said, well, if you going to LA? You guys should stay in my castle. I got a castle out there that Al Capone's stone, you know." And she's telling me about like, well, this this but it's a little haunted, you know. It's a uh, you know it's a ghost that's there. But I can tell this lady and she's nice. And so I'm, I'm working in Atlanta. So I'm just hearing it like, whatever, you know. So now I go to this, this castle, me and my man, Dave Gates. And nobody's there. She's not even there, but the housekeeper and people are there to take care of us, or whatever. So I, we go up in it's there. It's like a real
0: castle, like the shit we see in the movies.
1: Yo, this shit's crazy. It had big giant castle, heavy castle doors. They had tables that's really long, you know, like, like Castle Castle on the inside. Castle Castle. So we go up in there. I'm in a room. Um, you know, in there watching the TV, getting ready for our meet I'm in a drinking I'm posted up like yo, this is crazy, you know. Say, I'm gonna with the you know? <laughs> and it's this big it's the, the door to the room is all the way up, up close to the wall, like a big heavy castle door, right? And so we was in there for like an hour or two, me and Dave, and then we said, All right man, let's let's get ready to go. Show this J T Money video we was doing who that at the time. So I had to go to Pro, the priority to have a meeting over the J T Money video. Dude, I get up out of there, the um we walk out of the the, uh, her room, and the door just slams, bam! This big heavy castle door comes from the wall, and bam, like slams so hard, it was just like this. The housekeeper's coming upstairs at the same time, and she's like, I'm like, yo, that door just slammed like crazy, and she's like, yeah, that was the ghost. She's probably pissed off that y'all was in the room. I was like, oh, no, 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 so I left. I still got the garage door open because I was supposed to go back, I never <laughs> I never went back to the fucking
0: You bar. never went back to that castle, uh, huh? No. Uh, I don't want no parts of that shit either, man. You know, that reminds me of, speaking of a castle, uh, your house in Atlanta is built like Star Wars and some shit, <laughs> like a spaceship. No real talk. Like, <laughs> like touch the door, the shit opens. Like, uh like, what, 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 what made you come up with that design of your house being a spaceship?
1: man i was always a fan of like buck rogers and star wars and all the space stuff when i was little i was like, like one day i'm going out of space and all this i was always a spacehead. um but um lenny kravitz he had this this designer named michael sis um and he had did this thing for lenny in, in miami his house and when i saw that house i was like oh damn i want to build a house but i want mine around so he's like talk to michael about it you know so i started talking to, to to michael about it and then we started to kind of. Think about it, and I was like, dude, I want this round house. I just keep seeing this round crib, but I didn't know what it was gonna be. I skipped around. So, when Michael, the architect, came back, he gave me like 12 or 15 different ones. So, he had drew. it. I was like, oh shit, it could look like this. And then, um, because I was showing stuff, I was showing Gattaca, I was showing Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> but then I said, but I wanted like a Frank Lloyd Wright house, or like a like a you know, John Lautner house. Like, I'll show these old 70s houses, like some of these you know, architects in LA that had the hanging roofs and stuff. Um, And but it took me six years to build
0: a house, and I've been here twenty years now. Six years to build a house. Six years to build a house, bro. I hate that shit when you build houses and they take long. And you know, I I built the house where I knew every fucking window, every doorknob,
1: (laughs) every like,
0: yep. Like I'm glad I'm building the house now. Same shit, bro. Like. (laughs) <laughs> the door knob, the tub, my daughter's yeah. room, the this, the that, yo, this shit be like, you know, everything. It's, it's better when you build it because you feel like you feel different
1: when you build it than when you buy something, man. You know, buying this. Oh yeah, new yeah, new. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's your
0: own, it's it's your own input. It's what you nah, want. Yeah. You know, I want I want to shout out our girl Catherine Bruton. That's our yes. girl. Yes. You Catherine know, big crazy, boss man. lady BMI. She's Another one,
1: there's another funny story with Catherine. Catherine, um, when she went to BMI, I was at ASCAP, and nobody BMI only had country writers, they didn't have nobody but babyface and country writers, right? So, Catherine goes in, and um, she's going in new, and I'm at the I'm killing it in the game. I was like, we had been friends way before that, we've been friends before BMI. Um, and when she said she's coming to the record business, I was like, oh, okay, um, uh, well, you go there, I'm gonna go there with you. So, I walked in as her first. Dude. She's like, well, okay, wow. I'm here and I'll bring Dallas Austin in. So I was so happy to go to BMI because I asked y'all I didn't know anybody. Nobody would talk to me. I, I wouldn't get any love. It was like an institution. I, don't, I want to talk to somebody. So I met the president of BMI, me and him hit it off. And so Catherine goes, hey, I want to put together this, this tribute for James Brown is my first thing. And I want to have you, Pharrell, Rodney Jerkins, um, Chad. And all of y'all be the, the, the JBs, the background band. Right? Catherine, wow. so like, how are you going to pull this off? Them dudes at the top of the game, they ain't got time for this. So they called, my stepdad was Jimmy Nolan, who played for James Brown all those years. He played guitar for him. So all those licks you hear, I learned to play those in the morning every morning. Wow. that's my stepdad that was doing all that. So, I would go on the road with them when I was little. I would go on the road with the JBs when I was like 7 and 8, be under the the organ with Sweet Charles while they practicing and all this stuff. So, here we are now. We're practicing. We're gonna pull this show off, right? So, Pharrell's playing drums. uh, I'm on guitar, right? Playing the same licks that my stepdad taught me to play in the morning time, right? So, this shit is crazy. I'm like pinching myself around what it is is what it is. I never thought I'd be playing this shit, right? So James, after he finishes the, uh, after we finish the the, the the set, he goes, "Wait, where's Jimmy Nolan boy at?" And he looks at me. And he goes, "Y'all know how long I loaned this boy?" And I was just like, "I didn't think he even
0: remembered." You and thought he, he like, ever saw you? He never even, you know, you was, was just a little kid that was there, and yep. and, and and but he he, he knew you, bro. Yeah, he
1: kept tracking me the whole time as I as I grew up as a producer and stuff. And they were like, uh and he was just like, Well, you know how long I've known him? You know how long he's been under my organ when I was at practice and a little da da. Like when I was a kid, I used to be on the road with them, but that was like you would think that he would still remember me from that, you know what I'm saying? So Catherine, like Catherine, everybody Catherine has changed my everybody. She's changed that whole place now to be a whole And I would
0: tell you her story. I told this story the other day, but uh Catherine came to, came to see me. In New York, uh I told the story before, I hate telling the same shit, but she came to see me and I was like kind of like nukewarm, right? I was between albums and she was like, Yo, I you know, I'm the president of BMI and I want to write you a check for a million dollars. And this is when you nukewarm warm and you know you could you're working on the other album, and and I'm like, and while I'm looking at it, you know, Kat is beautiful. She's articulate. And I'm saying to myself, yo, I'm robbing this lady. Like I'm saying to myself, <laughs> while she's going to give me the million dollars, I'm like, damn, Joe, you a scumbag, man. You really taking <laughs> advantage of this woman, man. You robbing this lady. Well, I'm like, yo, I need this million dollars, right? That's like, is, I'm man. like, holy shit, right? And uh, so we do the deal. Uh, by the way, when I was signed to uh, ASCAP, they never gave me a dollar. I was signed mm-hmm. to them for like 10 years. So when I signed to BMI, all of a sudden they had to show their accounting. Checks start flying in from ASCAP.
1: So, Otherwise, so. they'd rock,
0: right? It was, it and, was the uh, same thing with me. Same yeah, thing. that shit is crazy. So They got mad when I
1: first went because they said, Well, how's she giving you money to come? Like, she's not giving me money to come. That's my money that's sitting
0: there in the pipeline.
1: You know what I'm
0: saying? That's right. And so I go, so she gives me the money, right? And I swear to you, Dallas, I ain't going to lie to you. Uh, I come from the Bronx. I come from the projects. Ain't too many times you turn down that million-dollar check, especially when you're not really even hot at this time. So I go, all right, boom. But I felt bad about it the whole time. I was like, damn. Uh, Six months later, I I do lean back. I, I I don't
1: feel bad about it because I don't she done saved my ass plenty of times. <laughs>
0: yo, listen, yo Dallas. I hit I, six months later, lean back comes out. Right? Yeah. Shit number one in the country, this, this, that. I pick up the phone, I call Catherine, and I'm like, hey Catherine, this is uh this fat Joe. She starts laughing for like five minutes straight. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, I'm like, hey, Catherine. And she was like, oh, you thought you took advantage of me, huh? You thought you thought <laughs> <Please laughs> you She's like, I'm the biggest girl in the office right now. Thank you, Fat Joe. I'm like, oh <laughs> <shit."> <laughs> Catherine ain't no joke, boy. Um, oh nah, and she's something else. She brutal. Uh let me ask you, country. Why you went to Nashville and and started doing the country music. is because you're always ahead of your time, whether it's with the rock shit, whether it's with expanding with the Madonna. Now you went to country. Why? Why you went to Nashville?
1: I just like man. I, for me, I'm a songwriter first, so I, I, I write. I don't know if people know, but I write all my songs. You know, like I've written more songs for, for women than, than, than <laughs> obviously any girls. But I was just like, well, I know what I did. Let me take my instance and and flip it so I understand where she's coming from, Um, but I'm a songwriter first, and to me, you know, you got to cram a great song into three minutes, you know that, you got to make that movie into three minutes instead of three hours, you know. So anytime I would get to the point where I felt like I would hit a wall and be like, man, I don't want to get bored, then I'll go to another genre of music. And because I'm a writer, then it's easier to go write and it's easier to help translate, easier to produce. Uh, If I get tired of country, then I say, well, I'm going to go do dance music for a while. I'm going to go work with Cedric DuVeas and go do... And because I'm a producer, one of my things is when I was young is I wanted my stuff to sound exactly like whoever else it was. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to sound like Teddy Riley and then better. And I wanted to sound like Bump Squat and then better. So anything I focus on as a producer, I didn't ever want to get trapped in a box with. You know, I didn't want to be... And it became a little, like, hard for a while because if you don't make a song that sound like your last song then they they count you out like oh that don't sound like creep oh that don't sound like don't
0: take it personal um, when I did, they don't I did... respect hits for hits like oh, yeah. they don't like like you know when I did lean back when I didn't make it rain make it rain did four platinum but they didn't appreciate it because they was like yo it ain't lean back or <laughs> this ain't this and I'm like what the fuck are y'all talking about it's another <laughs> that's, that's hit so
1: long no just think about it if you had stayed doing the same type of record you did <laughs> then you wouldn't be here this long. You be played out. You played out, bro. That's the thing that's been keeping me. It's just like, I just, I bounce from thing to thing. When I started to get, it's funny, I thought I was having the worst year of my life um, because me and, um you know, everybody knew I was with Chili and we had, we had a son, Tron. And we broke up this one year and I went to Miami and I was like, man, I think, you know, I'm having the worst year of my life. So I started writing, like, Just Like a pill for Peak, um, Don't Let Me Get Me, and um, Cool for Gwen Stefani. I was writing all these kind of songs because that's the, that's the, 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 uh, I was in at the time, but to me, I felt like, dang, this whole year was so dark. You know, you'd be in that space where you just, where everything, you're hurting and everything's dark. Yeah. But during yes. that whole year, I didn't realize I had did Drumline, I had did Pink, I did Blue Cantrell, I did the group Black. I had you did, thought I was it dead. was a bad year, but you was killing everything. I, I, yeah, I woke up at the end of the year like, how did I do that? You know, because everything felt like a blur, but my, my focus and my energy was like,
0: just just through the roof, man, that they just put my energy in all that stuff at once. Yo, my brother, man, I want to thank you for coming on the big, big show. I love you, man. It's an honor to have you on here. Let me ask you a question. If you did a versus, who do you think is like, has a catalog to challenge Gala Like, Who's
1: even on that level? Well, I I was joking with it at first because I was like, you know, if you look at my Wikipedia, my songs, you got to go through the A- B, C, you got to click on the alphabet to get through all the songs I got. So I said, who Who do do you need
0: to stand next to you in the verses and go song for song? Rodney Jerkins. Rodney Jerkins.
1: Swiss Timberland! Swiss (laughs)
0: Timberland! (laughs) Timberland! Rodney
1: Jerkins, let's go. Yeah, Rodney, got, uh, Rodney, about Rodney. You know Rodney is a songwriter too. Rodney got songs. And I, I I swear, like when, when when I was when you're a fan of somebody's work like that, like when you hear somebody shit, I'm like damn, we try to do that. You know what I'm saying? So with Rodney I had a lot I know, of. No, he's moments amazing. Moments like he's a yeah. he's amazing.
0: He's amazing. Yo, my brother, I love you. Tell your moms. I said what's up. For, suck. for sure man. Big Shout out to Buster
1: Rhymes, man. Buster, we love you, man. Busta, Buster, my man. Um. Uh, and, well, Buster he said you gave him his, his deal with Flip Mode. Yeah, I did, bro. And like and and every record bustler would come play me to that point. He would come play me play me songs. Listen to this, listen to that, listen to that. he play me 50 cypher records and then I'll fall asleep and then all of a sudden I hear doo, doo 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 doo. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like so man, and right. you've been doing this for a long time, man.
0: Very long time. He said George
1: Clinton used to be in the studio with y'all. It was George Clinton, too short. Diamond D, Eric Sermon, Buster, another black creation, all of us, Goody Mob, all in this forum at my studio, sitting there going over this damn whole lapel horse book all like every day, like we were some kind of crazy cult because we got so addicted to this book. And George bought it in from Ice Cube, and it was just, you know, there it is. And a lot of stuff, Goody Mob changed the whole mentality after being in those sessions like that.
0: And that's crazy because we don't know how blessed we are so like jay-z uh never knew he had kanye west even though kanye west was producing all that shit for him but he had the genius with him uh me as a you know coming up i had cool and dre and 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 talent under my wing and and everybody was like chipping in and, and you know rick ross would be in one studio and Lil Wayne would come in there in, in, in my session and just uh, mumble a hook, walk yep. out, uh, and 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 those are the legendary times, dude. What you, talking you got about all you these Miami lines with those, together. Those
1: squad chains on in Miami? Are you kidding me? Y'all used to run through Miami with the terror squad chains on like crazy, Chris. <laughs> uh, that that movement was just like through the roof. Storage that shit was crazy. <laughs>
0: Good looking, my brother, man. Thank you so much, my brother. God bless you, man. Thank you, brother. Peace. Peace. Dallas, Austin. You don't know who I know. You don't know who I know. And it's looking too easy these days. Siroc, a much finer vodka fan meal. If you want to connect one-on-one with your favorite artist, but you don't know who I know. And I am killing these guys. I am destroying whoever thinks they the competition. Every day, I am smoking you guys. I'm on a seven, almost an eight month run. That's Dallas Austin. He wrote, "Oh, they really care, They don't really care about us." He wrote, "Ah, uh, oh." Uh, 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 uh. He wrote, what about your friends when they let you down? You guys, man, you got to be kidding me, man. The boy is mine. We are so honored. We are so honored, so blessed to have people who will go down in history, in the Hall of Fame, um to come on here, Instagram, with us and just tell us these stories. Uh, You know, I'm not into the bullshit, but I'm sure Dallas Austin smashed Madonna. I'm sure. He was being a gentleman about that. But, you know, Madonna, she'll put you in the headlock if she wants you. You know what I'm saying? But there is no, um, who's my competition? Nobody. Nobody better than me. I ain't going to lie to you. I watched all the competition. I watched David Letterman. He ain't doing what I'm doing. He's a living legend. If anybody's the best, it's him. He ain't doing what I'm doing. Nobody better than me. Nobody. I'm sorry. If y'all want the bullshit or whatever, y'all can do that. But better than me? Can't nobody get talent tomorrow night? Uh, the very, very beautiful Kalani. And 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 so what happens is every fucking night we light this shit up. Every night we light this bitch up. This ain't a fucking game. You want me to let you lie to yourself and tell yourself it's somebody's. Nobody messing with this shit. Make a lie all they want. Nobody coming like this. So far ATL, I can't even mention. What we, who we had The Dream, we had T.I., we had Jeezy, we had uh Jermaine Dupree. we had uh The Goody Mob, CeeLo uh I mean everywhere. LA, wherever, B-Real, uh Snoop Dogg uh who the hell you want? I'm not going to. One thing I learned from Kanye West, who's been my favorite rapper for the last 10, close to 15. Hey, C. Broton. Hey. What's up, Catherine? <laughs> this man. They made the movie ATL about Dallas Austin. Drumline. This ain't regular people, man. This ain't no regular daggler shit. This is the biggest shit in the game. Love you, C. Love you, Catherine. And we the biggest in the game. Ain't nobody be... Shout out to Revolt TV every Tuesday, 10 p.m. Chirac in the building. Fan me Wild Cherry Pepsi on Fridays. But uh I don't stop. And so I'm like uh uh love you, love you, Catherine. I'm a pit bull. When I grab some shit, I grab some shit. The shark smells the blood, it's over. And so I went into the journalism because I, I watched them jam up all our favorite artists. Your artists go there, hey, y'all, what's up, living legend. Next thing you know, they jam them up for the clickbait. they saying all type of crazy shit in the headlines. And they, they, they fucking our icons. And so Dallas Sourcer don't have a problem coming on here because he know the one thing I'm not going to do is jam them up. And we're going to hear about greatness. And we're going to celebrate our greatness. We're not uh, with the bullshit. You know, and that's what we do every night. And and, and Kalani, she don't like interviews. She don't like interviews. But she said, you know what? I watched the Fat Jim show. And I like that he don't try to jam people up. He celebrate. And he big the people up. And so that's where we at with it. Everybody vote. Vote, vote. Don't fall for the okie-doke. Don't look at the TV. We saw that with Hillary. Oh, she's going to win. Don't even bother for you to vote because she's winning by so much. Vote. Take your ass to vote. There's no way around it. Take your ass to vote. Go. Take an old lady. Take an old man. If you can't vote, take somebody in your community to go vote. Put God first. I'll see you tomorrow night Uh, the Fat Joe show. We don't vote Trump here. So I know I got fans. Listen, guys. I know I got fans that are Republican. I got best friends that are Republican. Um, I'm sorry that it bothers you every time I, I say I'm going... I vote Biden and Harris, but that's just my preference. If you vote in Trump, I'm not looking at you crazy. That's your preference. You know, that's what it's about in America. And, uh, and that's what I'm about. You know, and if you follow my career, you know, for over 26, 27 years, you realize um, I speak what's on my mind and I'm true to what I believe in. I did vote, guys. If you would like to go back to my Instagram, A couple of days ago, you will see I voted. You'll see me at the voting. And I challenged Timberland. He voted yesterday, and he put it on his Instagram. I'm waiting for Khaled to go because I challenged. Michelle Obama asked me to challenge two of my best friends. I challenged Khaled, and I challenged Timberland. And I was scared to challenge Nori because he might might be on some CNN shit. You know, I was like, yo, wait a minute. I might fuck up with Dory. Dory, you know, he might wake up on the wrong side of the bed like, fuck all y'all. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I went out there um, and I voted. So go out there and vote. Put God first. Uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. God saved my life so many times. He has revealed himself to me in my life. You know, the fact that I'm alive, I'm not away for 30,000 years is the man, you know, the man, he's been blessing me my whole life. And uh, so God is very real. Keep the faith in good and bad times. And you all know Fat Joe's slogan. Let your darkest moments Bring your most clarity. Let your darkest moments bring your most clarity. And basically, that's what Dallas Austin just said. He thought he was having a hard time one year. It was dark. It was bad. And when he looked up at the end of the year, he did pink shit. Everybody shit. Blue Control, this one, that one. So uh stay focused. The big, big show, the biggest in the game. See you tomorrow. Kalani. bye